What's up, everybody? This is Dan. I hope everyone out there is staying healthy and well. Uh, for this episode, very special episode, I reached out to educators uh, all around the country, all around the world, and was just so impressed by how willing people were to contribute uh, to this episode. And uh, it just speaks a lot uh, for our profession. Uh, we as educators, uh, we love sharing ideas. We love supporting each other. And I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to What's the Big Idea? I'm your host, Dan Carney. We've come to the end of, hopefully, the strangest school year we'll ever experience, and it's time to take stock. Because if there's one good to come out of a crisis, it's the lessons we can learn about our profession and ourselves. Crises have a way of focusing our attention, a variation on Louis Brandeis' statement that sunlight makes the best disinfectant. The past 10 weeks or so have shined a pretty bright light on the strengths and weaknesses of the way we teach and learn. So I reached out to some smart voices from all across education and asked them to share what the pandemic has taught them about education. Hey, this is George Evans and I teach English and Theory of Knowledge at an IB World School in Japan. This global pandemic reinforced one big idea about education for me, and that is the vital importance of developing international mindedness in our work. We are not locked into isolated silos, separate from each other. The problems of folks that are seemingly across the world are our problems. They affect us too. There is an interconnectedness between all people. That means that when we read, write, and argue about interesting and diverse texts, we do so in order to honor and acknowledge others and learn from them, from their struggles, from their experiences. We read, write, and analyze with the goal of increasing a sense of sharing and creating community with others, of noticing our commonalities rather than trying to build community around just ourselves. These things become more important, more integral to society as time goes on. And it is through international mindedness that traits like empathy, compassion, and curiosity can be developed. Hi, I'm Christina Tonvold, and I do online math professional development for elementary educators over at buildmathminds.com. Being a mom of four elementary-aged children, this coronavirus shutdown has been hard on lots of levels, but the main thing I've taken away from it is to decide what the priorities are. Both my husband and I are still working during this time, and so we aren't able to sit down and help the four kids with all of their work. So we had to make decisions about what was essential that our kids learn during this time. And as you start to plan for next school year, you will most likely have to do the same thing. You feel like you have a quarter of the standards from the previous grade, along with the standards in your own grade that you need to cover next year, but you really don't. You don't need to do all the standards. Take a look at the standards, and it would be great if you can do it with all grade levels together and prioritize the content for next year. Yes, in a perfect world, we would be able to help kids learn all the math content, but we aren't living in a perfect world right now. 
There are standards that address content that is essential, and there are standards that address content that can be put off to the side to do if you have time. So my advice is to look closely at your standards and decide what the priorities are. And it's not just in your math standards, it's for everything in your life. One of the reasons we decided not to focus so much on our children's academic stuff during this time was because we wanted to prioritize our family time and our social emotional health. We needed to take care of ourselves and our children emotionally before we could focus on the things like academics. So the same goes for you. Prioritize the things that are essential in your life. What you just heard from George and Christina is one of the things I enjoyed most as I worked on this episode. I received these audio clips and excitedly opened each one to find a shared passion for what we do. There are some common themes to be sure, but also a wide variety of perspectives and ideas. Now here's some more, starting with Minnesota English teacher, Jasmine Lane. So what the COVID crisis has taught me, I'd say that this whole crisis has really just reinforced my belief in the importance of student buy-in, classroom culture, and most importantly, school culture. When students see themselves as scholars, as people who can do school and succeed, they are more likely to have success and buy into getting through this whole online crisis learning thing that we're dealing with. However, on that same note, if students don't see themselves as academically capable or successful in a traditional face-to-face setting, expecting them to somehow have the motivation to muddle through new material and essentially do it with minimal guidance in the comfort of their homes with myriad distractions, I think that that's really just us setting ourselves up to be disappointed, which is really what I think we ended up seeing across the country as we made this move online. Hello. My name is Chris McNutt, and I'm a digital design educator from Ohio and the founder of Human Restoration Project. The COVID crisis to me has done what Noam Chomsky calls dispelled the illusion, as in students are about to successfully go to college and obtain an education without taking standardized tests. And many students across the country are going to still complete coursework and be motivated despite eliminating letter grades. And so many students will continue to learn at home despite not having a set structured school schedule and bell periods. And on a more negative note, it's also highlighted the illusion of grandeur of a fair and just American society. Our students lack access to basic needs and struggle to learn, and this has made it even more transparent that this is going on. So the COVID crisis gives us an opportunity as educators to restructure systems so that we can open up the curriculum, disestablish routine norms, and build a more democratic society. We just need to ensure that as we open back up and make a new normal, that we band together and demand that things change. Hi everyone, my name is Carrie, and I am an MYP technology design teacher for grades 6, 7, and 8. When asked what the COVID crisis taught me about education, there are a couple things that come to mind. Number one is that even though our students sometimes tell us that they don't want to be at school, they are all missing being at school right now. The screens and the virtual meetings are definitely not the same. They miss that face-to-face interaction, building relationships with um, their peers and adults, and I know that I am missing that part as well. 
Number two is that creativity and differentiation are huge. Students are willing to put in the work when the work has meaning to them. By creating authentic content in the classroom, it creates excitement and student buy-in. The tests are not always the answer. Students can have a deeper understanding of a concept or topic when they are interested and invested and they go through the process of learning it and not just cramming for a test. The last thing is that frequent feedback and reflection are key parts of the learning process. This usually happens at the end of a unit, but having weekly check-ins or reflections or feedback for kids, it really helps the students and the teachers get a better understanding of where they are and what else they could possibly need to discover or learn about to make their final project or assessment the best that it can possibly be. The past few months have thrust education largely online into what schools are calling remote learning or distance learning or e-learning. So it wasn't surprising that a couple of the contributors to this episode had some thoughts on that. And here's an online teacher who goes by the name Stuck in the Middle on Twitter. Teaching online really is hard work. My husband teases me that nobody can see what I do, that I don't actually have to do all of the things. But this spring, I saw other teachers say that teaching online is difficult. It's not just me. COVID-19 has reinforced something that I already knew, but I didn't really think about. Good teaching is good teaching, whether you do it online or offline. I don't think I'm a better teacher because I teach online professionally. To paraphrase Liam Neeson in Taken, what I do have are a very particular set of skills, skills that I have acquired over a very long career, skills that make me a good online teacher. I've gotten better as a teacher like everybody else, with experience, with figuring out what works, with using basic principles of cognitive science and classroom management, empathy for students, and yeah, some content knowledge, and yeah, okay, I have some specialized knowledge. But the COVID crisis has taught me that teachers all over the world are doing their best in a job they didn't apply for, they're not trained for, without any knowledge of the best practices. And so I'm doing my bit in this time of disaster by sharing what I know on Twitter. Hello, my name is Zach Groeschel, and I've worked as a teacher, instructional coach, and STEM design specialist. I'm also a PhD student, and I write for my blog, educationrickshaw.com. This corona online learning period has taught me that all teachers are capable of using technology. Let me start by saying that I'm not a proponent of the unconditional use of technology. Our teaching should first and foremost be informed by the characteristics of our learners and the instructional objectives, which should in turn be aligned with our assessment practices. Technology should enhance our teaching, either by making a teaching or learning process more effective or efficient, or by transforming the experience in ways that couldn't be done without the technology. Social media comes to mind in how it allows a student to communicate with an expert who is all the way across the planet, anywhere, anytime. What I've seen in my career has been a general resistance to technology. I've always been sort of confused by this. Is this because these teachers don't know how to use technology and need to be trained? Or is there a philosophical, attitudinal, or motivational component to this? What the coronavirus online learning period has taught me is that when teachers are forced to use technology, they do use it. And they tend to use it pretty well, at least from my viewpoint. 
There are, of course, some teachers who are dropping the ball, but I think they probably do that anyway with non-digital teaching. When teachers are forced to use technology in their practice, they gain the knowledge, competence, and skills to use technology less as a gimmick and instead as a way of enhancing research-based instructional methods. I hope something of this uptick in teachers' digital literacy that we've seen as a result of corona makes it back into our face-to-face classrooms. I want to echo Zach's point. I, too, have witnessed an incredible growth in confidence and ability among teachers with regard to tech. And crucially, this growth has been genuine and deep, with teachers developing skills that improve teaching and learning, not simply discovering the latest tech gimmick. One of my favorite new podcasts is called Conceptually Speaking, and I asked the host of that pod to weigh in. So here they are, starting with high school English teacher Trevor Alio. I think it's forced a lot of us to really reconnect with the why of our curriculum and instruction. We aren't as preoccupied with state-mandated tests. We aren't as preoccupied with data entry and some of the day-to-day grind that can often prevent us from seeing the things that are right in front of our face. And I think that exercise of really grappling with the learning experiences that you're providing for students and asking yourself, what is the deep and durable, transferable understanding I want them to take away from this? where you're not worried about maybe aligning perfectly with the standards or what the next assessment is, but really just focusing on finding ways to connect to the deeper purpose for your class and asking students to become active contributors to that. I've been having a lot of conversations with students trying to figure out what is it that they want from this time. And it's just reaffirmed in my mind the importance of having the ability to be flexible and to really focus down on those deeper, bigger why questions when it comes to the learning experiences that we create with our students. Hi, it's Julie Stern, and I'm very honored to share some thoughts about lessons learned during the coronavirus or COVID-19 outbreak um, about education. So first, two systemic topics. One, uh, just the incredible speed by which educators pivoted and and really led the way in sort of adjusting to this new reality. And so I, I really hope this will open up the conversation to give teachers the respect that, that they deserve um, in their ability to, to be agile and, and shift just on a dime. Um, that's number one. Number two is issues of equity. We saw, we knew this before, but um, of course, which students had access, which students had um, access not only to technology, but access to food and how fast schools pivoted, especially in the United States, to um, supplying food and meals to families that needed it, needed them. But also, which which students have access to, to parents who have the luxury of being able to work from home uh, versus parents who did not, or parents who lost their jobs. Um, and so equity is, is enormous. When it comes to curriculum and instruction, which is more my cup of tea, um, it really just exacerbated what, what we always knew was true, which is we've got to get the curriculum down to the essential core concepts and skills. Um, it's, it's just so apparent now that we have overloaded the curriculum, that it's better to go deep than to sort of be an, a mile wide and an inch deep. Um, and so that's why thinking about co- concepts and conceptual understanding is, is paramount. And, and the piece about instruction is 
really teaching our students how to learn, learning how to learn and, and thinking about our role as teachers as sort of cognitive cognitive coaches, intellectual apprenticeship of our students. We saw how much the students struggled, but for the most part, to um, respond to an environment that was online or distance learning without the teacher standing over them. And so those are the two points that I'm taking with me for curriculum instruction. How do we boil our curriculum down to the most essential concepts and skills that they need to be successful, that they need to be able to transfer their learning to new situations, and how can we pedagogically apprentice our students to be their own teachers, to be able to to learn without so much hand-holding. So much interesting commentary about curriculum in so many of these clips, and it'll be interesting to see how schools approach curriculum in the fall that is Will there be any changes or will schools be so preoccupied with health and safety that that curriculum review that's we've been thinking about for so long, maybe it's going to get pushed off one more time. And now, finally, a couple of contributors who went in a different direction and weighed in on self-care and community. Here's Philip Mott and then High Tech High podcaster Alec Patton. My name is Philip Mott and I am a program writer. For SunFunded, we serve schools uh, with sustainability education uh, and solar power. And I think the main thing that I've learned through this COVID process is understanding the role that self-care, self-image, self-love, all of these things that kind of wrap up into a very strong mental health, what role those things play in learning. Um, it's been a, a journey for myself, just taking some extra time to do reading when I would normally be, uh, you know, going out more often um, and uh, reading some resources that just have helped me understand some habits I've had in my life about that that reflect a lower self-worth and uh, than than I thought I had of myself and which triggered a lot of new habits and more thoughtful routines for myself and when I reflected on this compared it to the way that I thought about myself and the routines that people wanted me to have in high school in my young adult life I recognize that, you know, I chose a lot of those routines that I did have or a lack of routines partially because of the way that I viewed my own self-worth. So for my part, I think the COVID experience has been really positive and it's, it's given me a lot of hope for what is possible in education. Schools are one of the last sacred community spaces in our society. Lillian Sue told me that when I interviewed her for the High Tech High Unboxed podcast. Now that all of our communal spaces, with the exception of hospitals, are in suspended animation, we can see how careless we've been with them. And based on what most people hear about education, it seems like all the essentials of school can move seamlessly online. Students can read texts, watch lectures, answer questions tailored to their ability level, even talk to their teacher online. So really, what's missing except the distractions of social life? But it turns out, like Lillian said, the social life is the essential thing. 
is the hundreds of people from different generations and different backgrounds coming together day after day to work towards a shared purpose. That's what's precious about school. That's what makes it a sacred space. And when we're able to get back into our school buildings, that's what we should be focusing on. A huge thanks to all who contributed. Here's my take. And I want to combine a couple of ideas shared in the podcast. Jasmine talked about the importance of students seeing themselves as successful and having buy-in, while Carrie discussed the need for learning that has meaning to the students. This brings to mind a moment in a movie I saw once. I think it was a terrible film, but there was this one scene my wife and I joke about. A husband and wife are in the kitchen, and he says, you want me to do the dishes? And she replies, I want you to want to do the dishes. To which he responds, why would I want to do the dishes? Are we asking students to want to do the dishes? I think sometimes we are. And I think students have a difficult time buying into the idea that they can be learners and change makers and scholars if we are not designing and providing opportunities for authentic, engaging learning. Yes, students need to develop skills and content knowledge. Please don't misunderstand me here. The dishes need to get washed. And authentic does not equal free-for-all. But it does, to bring in more ideas from my guests in this episode, require us to take a good, hard look at what we teach. And you know what? Maybe take a chance by throwing some of it out and giving our students some room to breathe, room to think, room to grow into learners who give a damn. And I think this COVID crisis has given us a chance to step back and reflect on exactly that. Thanks for checking out What's the Big Idea? As always, welcome questions and comments on Twitter at Big Idea Ed. Check us out next time. Music today by Molo, courtesy of Tribe of Noise. Thanks, everyone. Extraño